From the lectionary reading this week, Luke chapter 14, we're going to read verse 1, then jump to verse 7, just as the lectionary instructed and guided us to do. Verse 1, one time, when Jesus went for a Sabbath meal with one of the top leaders of the Pharisees, all the guests had their eyes on him, watching his every move. Down to verse 7, Jesus went on to tell a story to the guests around the table. Noticing how each had tried to elbow into the place of honor. He said, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. And then the host will come and call out in front of everybody, you're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this person, not you. And red-faced, you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. Instead, when you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, Friend, come up to the front. And that will give all the dinner guests something to talk about. (laughs) What I'm saying is this. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're humble, content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. And then Jesus turned to the host and said, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Instead, invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. And then you will be and you will experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. There's a lot to unpack in this passage. I'm going to briefly, and my definition of briefly could be different than yours, (laughs) briefly explore two words that Jesus is talking about here in this passage, humility and hospitality. And it's interesting because Jesus connects these two words, humility and hospitality. So when we look at the context of this story, I mean, this is, this is 2,000 years ago. It's a different culture. Uh, how they ate dinner together was different than how we eat dinner together. For, for starters, they didn't have table and chairs. It, it doesn't totally make sense to me. Um, I mean, I have suffered from acid reflux, so this doesn't make sense to me at all, but they kind of laid down to eat. And that just, I, I guess that would prevent you from overeating, so maybe it does make sense when I think about it further. But they would, they would lay down on these, the, the tables would be low, and they'd have kind of these pillow, pillow couches that they would kind of recline on, leaning on one side and, and eating together. In Jesus' time and, and his culture, where you were seated signified your status in the room. So people with more influence and more wealth and more power would be closest to the host who would be at the head table. And typically at a gathering like this, there would be kind of a U-shape There'd be a head table and then two tables connected to the head table. So if you weren't at the head table, then how close you were to the head table at the side tables would signify how important and significant and how much honor you had in the room. And Jesus is is looking. He's always observing people. He's always watching. I love that. He's a people watcher. And he's watching people and they're vying for position, some honor at the table, trying to get close to the host. And Jesus says, listen, 
That's not the way you receive honor. What's interesting, Jesus doesn't say your desire to be recognized, your desire to be affirmed, to be honored by others is bad. Jesus doesn't say that. That's a natural desire that we all have, and it's good. It's healthy. What Jesus is talking about here is there's, there's a, a healthy way, a productive way, an efficient way to receive honor from others, and then there's this other way that doesn't really work. So Jesus is not just giving us some esoteric spiritual philosophy. He's giving us practical wisdom, a strategic plan in how to receive honor and affirmation and recognition by others. And Jesus says the path to true honor from others is through humility, the path of humility. And Jesus sums up his teaching by saying, the person who exalts himself or herself will be humbled, and the person who humbles himself or herself will be exalted. And Jesus states this as if it's like it's a law of the universe. It's something that will happen. And that's interesting. Jesus is saying life has a way of balancing things out. And people that puff themselves up to be bigger than they are, life says, let's bring you down to size. Someone or something's going to come along and knock you down. You know, you know the saying, you get too big for your britches? Do people still use that phrase? That was thrown around when I was a kid. It, not that it was ever thrown around at me, but <laughs> you're getting too big for your britches, son. Someone's going to knock you down to size. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's hardwired into the universe, and, and we know that because it's hardwired into our hearts and minds, all of us. When we're around someone who's constantly bragging and puffing themselves up and wanting attention and praise and glory, something inside of us says, oh my. We're kind of disgusted and repulsed, and we're like, would something or someone knock this guy down to size already? That's just, that's hardwired into our beings, that's not a bad thing. Some of you are like, well, I would never think. Yes, you do, and it's not bad that you think that. <laughs> Jesus is saying that's hardwired into the very creation of the universe. Life itself is thinking we got to knock this guy down, not just you. But the converse is true as well. When we are around someone who embodies humility, who is always lifting others up, and affirming others, and encouraging and edifying others, something inside us says, I, I want to recognize and affirm and honor this person, right? You've experienced that as well. This is what Jesus is saying. If you want to receive honor in life, here's the way to receive it. The path of humility. The path of humility. Now, what does it mean to be humble? What is humility? Well, humility comes from the Latin root word humus, or it looks like hummus, but only with one M. And of course, that's the connection with hospitality, right? Hummus is a, a dip of chickpeas. I mean, modern translators will often say guacamole is just as legitimate as hummus for hospitality. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Humus, humus is not related to hummus, the chickpea dish. Humus actually means earth or ground. To be humble is to be grounded. It is to be in tune with your earthiness. It is to be aware that you are dust from the earth. Having a unique life experience. J 
just like everybody else. Humility connects us to all of creation. We are all just dust. Every person around you is the same stuff as you, just dust from the earth having unique life experiences. And when we are grounded in our earthiness, we become aware that we don't know that much. All that we know comes through our unique life experience. We're just dust having a particular experience. And so is everyone else. And the only way we can learn outside of our own life experiences is by learning from the other specks of dust of the earth having their own unique life experiences. So humility is, is about awareness. An awareness that we don't know that much and the only way we can know outside of our limited perspective is to learn from one another. When I encounter someone, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor, whether they're Christian or Muslim or atheist. It doesn't matter if they have mental health issues or not. It doesn't, n- nothing matters. They are, are dust of the earth having a unique life experience just as I am and I have much to learn from them. That's humility. So Jesus makes this connection between humility and hospitality. Before we get there, though, back to this honor. Humility, this constant openness and learning from one another, you will receive honor in life, inevitably. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. This isn't, this isn't a guarantee that I have, like a money-back guarantee that I'm throwing to you. That's what Jesus is saying. If you live this life of humility, grounded in your earthiness, that you are connected with all living things, and that the only way you can learn outside of your own perspective is by listening to the other specks of dust that are having their own life experiences, if you live this way, you will receive honor. You will receive affirmation. You will be recognized. And that's an innate need. Sometimes when we talk about humility, we we say, oh, it's just not thinking about yourself at all and your own needs. You need to feel significant. Each and every one of us needs to feel important and significant. And Jesus is telling us how we can fulfill that innate need within each and every one of us through the path of humility. Hospitality. After Jesus teaches humility, which is very important, he turns to his host and in... In a way, he's saying, you could, you could learn what I was just talking about there. You see, when we are walking in humility, true godly hospitality naturally flows from us. But when we are, I talk about ego state of consciousness sometimes, when we are in that, in the flesh, as, as the Bible, that's the biblical term for it, in the flesh, or ego state of consciousness, our hospitality is really a self-serving mechanism. That's what Jesus is talking about here. But Jesus turns to the host and says, when you you throw a party, when you throw a dinner and invite people, don't just invite the cool kids, the rich kids, the successful, the, the fascinating and influential people. Invite people who don't get invited out much. Welcome people who aren't welcomed other places or by other groups. Jesus is turning hospitality into a spiritual discipline here. This is work. Hospitality isn't just about fun time. It's a spiritual discipline. And in fact, it's one of the core spiritual disciplines that Jesus teaches the early church. 
The, the purpose of the church is to embody the kingdom of God, what I call the culture of God. We are supposed to embody this different way of living life together that shows the rest of the world there is actually another way. When you get tired of that crazy, volatile, hostile, violent world, there is actually another way to do life together. It's the culture of God, the kingdom of God. Absolutely essential ingredient to the culture of God is this radical hospitality that Jesus is talking about here. Where everyone is welcome, no matter what their background, no matter what their gender, no matter, it doesn't, nothing matters. We are all dust from the earth. And Jesus says, especially focus on those who don't get invited to many other groups or parties. Especially welcome those who aren't welcomed other places. This is what, this is what sets the culture of God apart from the culture of ego, the culture of, well, how most of us function, right? Historian Rodney Stark says, despite being viewed as a suspicious cult and despite being severely persecuted at various times, the early church experienced unprecedented growth. Why? It was in large measure due to their hospitality. They understood what Jesus was teaching them. And they were radically inclusive of all people. They went out of their way to invite people who weren't invited into other institutions, other groups, other settings. Rachel Held Evans, who tragically passed away earlier this year, but she says this, what makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out. What's offensive about the gospel is who it lets in. I like that. Radical hospitality. Have you ever, let's think about hospitality. Have, have you ever experienced bad hospitality? You know, when maybe you've invited to, to a party or a social gathering and everyone kind of ignores you. Nobody talks to you. Have you ever experienced anything like that? That does not feel nice. That does not feel like good hospitality. There can be lots of good food, lots of good coffee or tea or wine. There can be professional entertainment, lots of fun, brilliant people, stimulating conversation, but you don't feel like you're a part of it, like you're wanted or welcome. Am I the only one? Maybe it's me. <laughs> We've, I'm sure that most of us have been in situations where we experienced bad hospitality. Think about good hospitality. An experience of hospitality that was absolutely wonderful. What was it about that experience that was so wonderful? Was it that there was lots of good food? I mean, that never hurts, right? Good food never hurts. But I've, I've been to gatherings where there's been no food and experienced wonderful hospitality. It's not essential. Same as good coffee or wine or tea. Not essential. Fun and laughing and entertainment. Not essential. Always helpful, but not essential. Stimulating conversation, I love stimulating conversation, but it's not essential to wonderful hospitality. When I, when I reflected on this, what does it boil down to? What is wonderful hospitality? It's where I am comfortable to be myself. That's true hospitality. Where I feel welcome, where I feel accepted. Because that's a real gift. 
That's a real treasure. You know those places where all of a sudden you don't have to filter yourself? And you can speak freely, and sometimes you'll say things the next day, you'll have that vulnerability hangover, like, what did I say? Boy, we got carried away. But you don't have to worry because there's trust. Hospitality is about trust. You can be yourself, and you know that that person isn't going to be talking to someone the next day. Boy, we had the Watsons over last night. You should hear what he was talking about. (laughs) That is a real gift, where you're comfortable to be yourself. Some of you have probably never even experienced that. It's that rare. Hospitality is about how we make other people feel. The poet, Maya Angelou, brilliant, she says this, people will forget what you did, they will forget what you say, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Hospitality is about making people feel Welcome, accepted, comfortable being who they are. The church. I don't know any church that doesn't have on their bulletin or their website, everyone is welcome. We serve coffee to everyone. Bread and wine for everyone. Well, probably not. Anyway, throw open the doors. Hospitality is not just opening up your home or your church to people. It's not just sharing what you have, the food, wine, Hospitality is about how we make people feel. Do people feel that they can be themselves? That's true hospitality. That's what Jesus is talking about. Because notice the people who, what, what we skipped over in this story was, was a healing of a man who probably wasn't welcome at the party. And we see that. That's, that's a regular thing that happens when Jesus shows up to parties. People felt comfortable being themselves around Jesus. Amazing. Amazing. He just carried this atmosphere. The people who struggled with being themselves were the people who were caught up in ego games. People with power, people with wealth, people with influence, people with status. People trying to play the honor game, get more honor and position. Hospitality. The two essential ingredients of hospitality. One is openness. Not where we open our homes, not where we open our churches to other, but where we open ourselves to receive them as they are. Receive them on their own terms. That's the first ingredient of true hospitality. Second ingredient is attentiveness. Paying attention to them. Don't just invite people, but pay attention to them. True hospitality moves us out of our self-preoccupation, which is where most of us live most of the time, focused on self. Hospitality liberates us from that. Focus on the other. Pay attention. Those are the two ingredients of true hospitality. Openness and attentiveness. And this is why I think Jesus makes the connection between humility and hospitality. They they flow. One flows from the other. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to keep reading because Jesus tells another story about hospitality, and it's about God's hospitality. Starting verse 16. And Jesus followed up with another story. There was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. And this is representative of God's hospitality, God throwing a party. And when it was time for dinner... He sent out his servant to the invited guests, saying, Come on in, the food's on the table. 
they all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and I need to look it over, so I have to send my regrets. Another person said, I just bought five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out, sorry, I need to send my regrets. Another said, I just got married and I need to get home to my wife, send my regrets. Busyness is nothing new, right? Everyone I talk to, we're all busy, right? That's just an assumption. Don't even say you're busy. That's, you're being redundant. Of course you're busy. We're all busy. Tell me something new about yourself. We're all busy. That's how we operate. And we, we think that's something new. People are too busy for God. People are too busy for church. People are too busy to receive God's hospitality. That's nothing new. That was happening 2,000 years ago. The story continues. So the servant went back and told the master what had happened. He was outraged, and he told the servant, okay, quickly, get out into the city streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal, all the misfits and homeless and wretched you can lay your hands on and bring them here. Does Jesus say, okay, I, there was specific guests that I had invited. Let's reschedule and find a time when they're not busy. No. <laughs> okay. Boo to them. We're going to go find people who aren't busy. Well, guess who happens to have some free time. The people who don't get invited to many places. The people who aren't welcome to many places. They happen to be free and available. That's interesting to me. And we think of inviting people to church. Oh, I keep inviting my neighbors. I keep... If they're busy, then go find someone else to invite. Because there's people who are looking for an invitation to be a part of a community that actually extends true hospitality. Now, we should make sure that we're extending true hospitality before we start inviting people in. You know what? That's not true because it might be them that teaches us how to actually extend true hospitality. The story continues. The servant goes out and brings all these other people in and says, Master, I did what you commanded and there's still room. The master said, then get out into the country roads. Go it even further. Whoever you find, drag them in. Be careful with that one. <laughs> because I want my house full. And that jumped out at me. I want my house full. And I realized a faith community that is full and overflowing and thriving, that is evidence that we are extending true godly hospitality. It's not about church growth. It's not about numbers. It's about hospitality. And if we're not full, that means we need to learn how to extend true godly hospitality. Because the people that we're inviting, the people that we're like, hey, you should come check out, they're busy. There's some people in town who probably love an invitation to be a part of a community that would love and care and support them. The reason we don't invite them is probably the same reason we don't invite them to our homes. Right? There's a reason why these people aren't invited to the parties. There's a reason why these people don't get a lot of invitations. Oh boy, stuff's going to get broken if we start inviting those people. Have you ever had that thought? I was a church planter and for a while we made a commitment to inviting at least once a week, inviting people over to our house. That burnt me out. I'm an introvert. And I learned over time that, okay, God does not expect me to be something that I'm not. God doesn't expect me to be 
this extroverted super host. I read back over the story and I realized Jesus says nothing about how often we're supposed to invite people over to our house. Jesus says, when, whenever you're throwing a party, whenever you're throwing a dinner, that's when you, most of the spiritual disciplines are not about adding more things, it's about transforming what we're already doing. When you throw a party, so if you're the kind of guy who throws a party once every two months, remember to invite people who aren't invited many places. If you're the kind of person who's having a luncheon or a dinner party, you know, every weekend, remember, when you throw a party or a luncheon, to invite people who are often aren't invited places. 